Welcome to a Healthy Push Podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. All right, today I am joined by Nadia, and she is here to talk about a subject that I feel like many people listening probably struggle with, and people listening don't even really realize that they're struggling with it. So we're going to talk about high-functioning anxiety, I'm sure some perfectionism, all the good stuff. So Nadia, welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. Thank you so much, Shannon. I'm so excited to be here and talk about all things, you know of high-functioning anxiety. Yeah, it's going to be good. So let's just start. Tell us a little bit about you. Like, who's Nadia? So I am a psychotherapist. Um, I live in Miami with my husband and three stepchildren. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut and moved down here in 2021, so right after the pandemic. Um, I've been in mental health for a long time. Um, I love it. Moving here to Florida was amazing because I was tired of being in Connecticut and I was, you know, getting tired of the cold and the winter. And I've always been someone that, you know, loves the sun and summer and the beach and the hot weather. So it was really, really nice to come down to Florida. Also a big transition. And we can talk more about that huge. I mean, and it's funny because I'm sitting in Maine, right, (laughs) in New England, and today was our first snowfall of the season, and it's just like, it must be so nice, right, to not have that anymore. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's actually, um, this time of year right now is like my favorite because the summers are like really brutal. They're super hot and humid, and you can't really spend a lot of time outside, but, you know, when November hits, it's like mild and warm and perfect. So yeah. it's like low 80s <laughs> yeah. because in the summertime, it's, you know, 95, super hot and humid. And it's, you know, you, okay. you just, you want to be inside. You want to be with the air conditioned. You know? Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So let's dive right in and just first talk about what is high-functioning anxiety? Because I think it can be sort of maybe easy for people to design what this is in their heads, but I don't think we really recognize truly what it is. And Mm -hmm. many people are probably walking around, right, struggling with it, but don't really understand what it looks like. Yeah. So um, it's a great question, and I think it's the perfect place to start. So high-functioning anxiety – it doesn't have a formal, there's no formal diagnosis for high functioning anxiety, which I, I think probably can be confusing for people. Um, but it is a lot, it, it's a shared experience that I think a lot of women have. Um, and the way that I like to describe it is on the outside, you appear to be confident and sociable and have it all together and really successful and you excel at, you know, maybe in all areas of your life, but on the inside, 
it's a very different experience. And you might struggle with overthinking or excessive worry or um, perfectionism, right? Um, you also might have a tendency to say yes too much and to take on too much and to overcommit too much. Um, so it's, I think the, the important thing to remember is that there is no formal diagnosis for it. But with that said, some people that have high functioning anxiety can have an anxiety disorder, if that makes sense. So it really depends on the person. Um, but I think, you know, the shared experience or the common experience is on the outside, no one would know really that you're struggling yeah. so much inside, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. I think that, you know, you just explaining it, right? I'm sitting here thinking what women doesn't have this in the world that we live in, in the society that we live in. Like our culture is just so go, 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 do, 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 be an achiever. And now I feel like, right, the messaging of you can be a working mom, you can be, you can have it all, you can have a career, you can, and it's like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, yeah. that's great, but we can't actually physically, mentally, and emotionally do it all. Nor is that really healthy. <laughs> right. Or do it all at the same time, right? And yeah. really like have these super unrealistic expectations of ourselves and standards of ourselves where where we continually, I think, feel like we're falling short. Yeah. and disciplining ourselves, you know? Um, and actually before the podcast, I was thinking about like why, because I, I hear it in so many of my client sessions, this um, tendency to want to do it all. Um, and I was like, well, you know, thinking to myself, why? why? Like what what is that, right? And and why do women have this drive or need or or pull towards really um, wanting to do it all. And I would love to hear your thoughts on it too. And I think what's made it hard is um, women trying to balance careers and family. Um, and so I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think like that's like, I can't even tell you how <laughs> many times this, like how do I balance it? How do I do it all? And um this is a really, I think, important piece of it. Yeah. It's so hard because I have definitely had this conversation with friends and I really feel like this balance that sort of we talk about doesn't really exist. It's like I don't know that you can really balance all of it. You sort of just find ways to navigate it and make it so that it's help in a more healthy way that it feels like, okay, this is more manageable. I can do – you know, two or three things, but here are the ways where I can make it more manageable. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, so much of it is generated by what we see. Like we just see people doing it all, having it all and the messaging that's put out there. And I think as women, right, we have this natural tendency as, you know, especially being a, a mom myself, I have this natural tendency. I want to be able to care for my child. I want to be able to care for my family. I want to be able to provide. I want to be able to do it all. And then I think with some people's personalities, right, much like mine, I've always been an achiever, been very successful. And so you get so caught up in 
well, this feels good, right? I can, I can do it all. And before you know it, you find yourself on this perpetual wheel of this is great. I can do it all and it feels good. But another part of me really isn't feeling good about all of this. I feel burnt out. I feel stressed. I feel overwhelmed, like the to-do list and all the things. I mean, you know, right? You're nodding your head. This is, (laughs) yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, you said, you know, a lot of us are walking around sort of hiding it and we're not really letting people see it. Like, why do we do this? It's so curious. Like, why do we walk around pretending like I've got it all together? I can do it. Everything's fine. I'm not stressed. I'm not overwhelmed. Nothing. Everything's good over here. <laughs> um, That's a really good question. And I think there's probably a lot of different reasons for it. Um, I think one of the reasons could be that maybe as children, um, talking about our feelings or our emotions wasn't something that was done or accepted or normalized. Um, And so we learn ways to internalize things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think for those people that, and I'm definitely included in that category, you might be as well. Um, But oftentimes I'll hear, well, it's really difficult to talk about my feelings. Like I've never really done that before. And so sometimes it's, you know, just having these more basic conversations around like, well, what are you feeling? What is the emotion that you're sensing and that you're experiencing inside? Um, And other times if people have tried to express their feelings to other people, the reactions or responses that they get reinforce this thought or belief that it's not okay to express our feelings or it's not safe to express our feelings or what we're feeling doesn't make sense or, um, you know, our, our feelings are, are too much. So I think one, it could be that it wasn't necessarily normalized. And then two, I think when some people try to express themselves, they don't necessarily get um, a response or a reaction that that makes them feel safe or not judged or not dismissed for their emotions. And I think there's something that we might get out of continuing to portray ourselves as successful and put together. Mm -hmm. And so sharing that is like, well, are people going to see me differently if I say that I'm like really overwhelmed or like that I don't want to take this on because, you know, that's not reinforcing or helping me to maintain the image that I've, you know, given to the outside world. Mm, I think that's such a – I'm so glad that you said that because I think it's such a big part of it. I don't want people to see that I don't have it all together, that I'm not okay. And I, you know, I definitely struggled with this a lot for a number of years. And I feel like a lot of it, though, came came from a place of I am not okay with not being okay. I don't want other people to see it, but I also don't want to have to slow down enough to recognize I'm not okay because that feels so uncomfortable. Yes. And that's the other thing I was going to say is that in order to share your experience, you have to be able to stop 
be in touch with what you're feeling and be okay with getting in touch with it enough to want to share it with someone else, yeah. right? So the other thing is like we don't allow ourselves the space and time and energy to like reflect and look inward um, because we get too uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And we don't even want to like, oh, I can't even go there because it's going to be way too uncomfortable. It's going to be way too overwhelming. And guess what? I don't even know what to do with it if it comes up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so it's such an uncomfortable feeling, I think, especially when you're used to this going, doing, never slowing down. That's what you're used to. That's what's comfortable for you. And so when you have to actually slow down and let yourself be with those feelings and validate those feelings, like, ugh, that does not feel good. And then and then to have other people maybe see that, gosh, another layer, right? Like this just feels ick. Every part of it feels ick. But I think so many of us are walking around feeling the same way. And it's like, my gosh, how much lighter we'd all feel if we were all just being more honest and able to validate for ourselves and for each other. Like, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Like Instagram is not showing the reality. Like this is actually my life and it is kind of a shit show. (laughs) Right. So I'm curious with – I know you said right like in ways in which it can show up. So some people always being busy, right? Like having the to-do list, always like saying yes and not slowing down. I think there are other ways, right? I know one of them I'm thinking and for me was anger. Like it showed up with overwhelm, stress, but anger. Like can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's another sign that there's some high-functioning anxiety. There can be a sign of feeling really angry. Yeah, I I think you're right. And I, I've actually incorporated that into some of my content because – Um, I think that's definitely an emotion that comes up sometimes. Um, And like in a more mild way, it could show up as like irritability Mm. or like consistently feeling or chronically feeling annoyed at things. Um, But anger is definitely something that comes up um, for sure. But I think you're bringing up a good point point because I think when we talk about anxiety we need to like have a broader conversation about all the emotions that we feel and experience Mm so um I think when people think of anxiety they go automatically to well I'm anxious and I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling fearful and those things are definitely there but I think what also contributes to us feeling chronically or anxious or or this more generalized high functioning anxiety it's that we're nodding our we're not allowing ourselves to feel a range of emotions and i think when you talk about anger that is included in that conversation because there's yeah. also sadness there's also depression there's also shame which mm-hmm. like is a big part of the conversation there's also guilt. So it's it's these other primary emotions that we need to allow ourselves to feel. And that's why I think sometimes it might come up in one feeling that we can mm. consistently have. Um, and I think anger in particular can come up if we feel like 
we're not able to voice our needs. We're not able to voice our desires. We we say yes to things that we don't really want to do. And then I think this this anger, this resentment starts to build. Um, and I think anger tends to come up when when someone has crossed a boundary with us or um, in some way we feel um, violated or taken advantage of, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also too, it shows up right when we continue to not have boundaries with ourselves and with others and we continue to cross our own boundaries. It's like I would set boundaries, right? I think that's a big a big piece that can help with this is setting boundaries. But if you don't maintain them and you don't uphold them, gosh, there comes a whole lot of anger and that word, like you said, resentment. I'm so glad that you said that because it is. It's you feel resentful of like, I, I'm i taking all this on and I can do it, but I don't feel good about it. And now I actually feel resentful that I've now taken it all on. And it's sort of just what people yeah. expect. And this is yeah. this is now just what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you're so right. I think it's all these emotions that we need to make space for and actually validate and recognize they're there. Gosh, though, it's like <laughs> – Anxiety is enough. Can we not bring shame and guilt and all these other things into it? But I think so many of us, you're right back, you know, when you were saying we weren't taught like how to actually make space for these emotions and how to actually let ourselves feel these things or maybe the representations that we saw of letting ourselves feel were not the healthiest. Like you feel it by stuffing it. You feel it by having outbursts, you feel it by, and it's like, oh my gosh, it, I think especially with, you know, maybe our generation that we, we definitely weren't taught and our parents weren't taught how to do that stuff. And now we're really having to figure it out and make space for all these emotions. So with high functioning anxiety, I, I want to talk about this perfectionism piece too, because I think it's such a big piece of it. I think we're sort of all walking around trying to act like everything's good, everything's fine, I've got it all, I can do it all, and we're trying to do everything perfectly. And I know a lot of people in my community, right, they're really working hard to overcome some really tough stuff, right? Like you said, high-functioning anxiety might be a component. But when you're struggling with high-functioning anxiety, maybe you recognize, okay, there's some of this here. I also am struggling with all this other stuff. But I notice I'm trying to do everything perfectly, but I'm also trying to heal perfectly. Like I'm trying to get everything right because I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And so I'm just trying my best. Like how how do I do this? And so I know perfectionism shows up in so many different ways, right? But let's just talk about that a little bit because I know for a lot of people, it's thinking if I do all things perfectly, if I do all things right, that's going to give the best results. Is that true? <laughs> um, simply no. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I, I think what happens even in our healing journey is those perfectionistic tendencies or beliefs or wanting it to go a certain way and having certain expectations about how it's going to look and how it's going to be and how it's going to feel. I think we need to just let those go. The journey is messy. Mm. And it's yep. and we are imperfect. 
we are flawed and that's okay because we're human. So I think like letting go of those preconceived expectations and standards and just leaning in to the journey and allowing it to be what it is because I, and I'll share a little bit of my own story with this because when I came to Florida, I thought I had gotten to a certain point in my own journey and I, I was very intentional and mindful when I made the move about things that I wanted to change and improve in my own life to help me not weather the adjustment, but, but feel more confident, feel better, feel um, more resilient. And I did those things and it was great. And, and, and those are, those were daily things that I wanted to make a part of my routine um, because I knew that during a change, a big change is a beautiful time to really work on yourself and improve things and have better routines and and all of that. But what I didn't realize was that this change and this transition and this role as a a new stepmom was going to bring its whole new challenges into my life. Um, And that was unexpected. I knew it was going to be hard, but when you're in it, you're like, oh, damn, this is not easy. And this is like, this is my life, right? These are just decisions and changes that I'm going through that bring up all these different things. And so I'm sharing this because I think I had an expectation of how it was going to go or how I was going to be and and how I was going to conquer and overcome. And it's like, well, things happen. (laughs) <laughs> and situations happen and and life will throw you these curveballs and so you you i think having these expectations sets you up to feel like you're a failure or you're not good enough or something's wrong with you and none of that is true mm. um, and so i don't know if that is helpful to your listeners to your audience but i think embracing that and know that like our, our lives are so, are constantly changing. They're dynamic. So we have to be able to flow with it and adapt. And I do think that one of the reasons why people get scared about hard things or challenges or difficulties or going through this healing journey is because they don't believe that they have the ability to move through it and get through it and overcome it. And they absolutely do. Yeah. Oh, such a big part of it. That self-doubt, right? Like, can I? Can I get through this? Can I actually do this? Such a huge part of it. So I don't know if I just went on a tangent, but (laughs) – Yeah, no, it's fine. It's helpful to share some of that personal stuff because it does help to, you know, give you more concrete examples. Um, I'm curious because I know people are probably wondering, what are some of those things that you did to try to help yourself in advance? Because I think when you're struggling with high-functioning anxiety, you can sort of go a little overboard in the planning, preparing, like, I'm going to do all these things. So <laughs> I'm yes. curious, no, what were good. these like some of these helpful shifts that you made beforehand? Um, well, I, I committed to – working out and exercising consistently um, because I I know myself and I know that when I'm not doing that, then, you know, the negative, the negativity starts to set in the, my, my stress and anxiety, you know, tend to escalate and, and creep up. And so 
I I committed to consistently either going to a gym class or taking a walk or moving my body in some way. It didn't have to look perfect, but as long as I was doing something, um, it was super, super helpful. Um, and I think the piece with that is that people think that they have to be motivated to work out and you don't, mm. you just, you get out and do the thing, <laughs> just make a commitment and stay consistent. It doesn't have to be this whole back and forth in your head, or you don't have to feel motivated because a lot of the times you probably won't just commit to doing it. The other thing, the other things that I started doing were I started leaning more on my friends and if I needed to. In, in that, you know, during that time, um, which was really helpful, I always felt better after talking to a friend about something, having their, you know, perspective or support or encouragement or whatever. I think that's such an important piece. Um, and I think with high functioning anxiety in particular, we tend to feel really isolated and alone. So making sure we have those people in our life that we can pick up the phone and call and just talk to is really, really important. I also started integrating faith into my routine. So I am, um, I'm actually a born again Christian. So one of the things that I was doing was just incorporating journaling and prayer into my mornings. So setting aside a little bit of quiet time before anyone else woke up and just, you know, did some writing, reflected, prayed. That was really, really helpful. And I noticed that it also decreased my worry and my anxiety. It just made me feel more hopeful and optimistic and and more positive about everything. Um, so those are like three like major things that I I really committed to and like, like practical things, right? Like yeah. actions yeah. you can actually take. Right. Right. I love that. I think so many people overlook some of that simple basic stuff because we think it's got to be something else, right? There's got to be something I can do. And I think especially we go to the place of there's got to be like mentally something that I can do to fix this, be- especially when you struggle with high functioning anxiety and you have a lot of overthinking and worry and analyzing, overanalyzing and self-doubt and you feel like I need to get in there and I need to do something with all this and I need to fix it. But really getting outside of that place, outside of your mind and really looking at some habits like movement and sharing and getting vulnerable, like getting support, these things are super, super helpful and actually help to alleviate worry and overthinking and all of that stuff. So it's just so funny. I, you know, I always say like, don't, don't minimize the really simple basic stuff. And once you build those habits, it becomes more natural and you find yourself experiencing the overwhelm and anxiety even less. So. Absolutely. I I totally agree with you. I think we tend to overcomplicate um, some of these solutions that we're trying to look for. And it's like, let's get back to like basic, simple things that you can do again and again and again. Yeah. Because I think too, right, you kind of have to make that mindset shift of 
I'm not looking for something to sort of fix this and make it go away. I am looking for things that are going to support me and give me more capacity and help me to actually, you know, move in different ways. And I think that's really such a big key that a lot of people miss out on. It's we're not we're not looking for these big fixes and unfortunately these things don't tend to exist, but the habits, the small steps, like that that stuff really has a massive massive impact. But like you said, right? It doesn't remove all the anxiety. It doesn't remove the hard stuff. You can move your body, you can do some of these things, but you have to acknowledge life is going to happen and it's going to bring about some craziness and stuff you've never encountered and a whole lot of unknown. And there is no tool really out there <laughs> that's going to help you facing the unknown feel better or really make it less overwhelming. I, th- I shouldn't say that. There are things that can be helpful, but it can't remove the unknown, right? And I think that's what a that's lot right. of us are trying to do. That's right. It's the uncertainty of not knowing yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then assuming that it's going to be horrible and, you know, we, we catastrophize and think the worst case scenario. And um, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to think, well, what if it did work out? Or what are the other mm. possible outcomes that would be amazing and incredible or a little bit more realistic, not yeah. so, you know, catastrophic? Um, and I think, you know, you mentioning that mental shift that there's not going to be one or two things that's going to fix or be the magic pill or, you know, um, the end all solution. It's, there is nothing out there, you know, like, so I think that's So really I shouldn't important. go on to Google and buy all those devices and supplements and no, just kidding. It's, I, I think, you know, we've all been there, right? And it's, you have to laugh about it, but I think when you really look internally and start to look at all the pieces and acknowledge there's a lot that I have control of. And yeah, it's going to be hard to do some of these things and to make these shifts, but it's going to actually be incredibly worth it. And these things, like they don't cost you the money and they don't cost you like a whole lot of, you know, you being upset that they don't work. And, but I'm curious, right, with the high functioning anxiety, the perfectionism, if somebody's like, I know I've got this going on. Like I am one that I write all the to-do list. I have to have every box checked. I have to do it all perfectly. I will take on everything. I will say yes to everything. And everything that you're saying is what I'm feeling. Like what? what's a good place? What is just a place, a simple place that somebody can start if they're like, I have all of this going on. What the heck do I do? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the two things that come to mind are – well, I guess this is kind of like one thing, but have more curiosity mm. about where that might come from or what's underneath those perfectionistic behaviors or tendencies. Because usually when there's perfectionism, it comes from a place of fear and shame. So we're really scared about something or we are trying to make up for not feeling good enough in some way. Um, and I think the other thing is, and so people are like, well, what is being more curious? But just, just trying to make space for a lot less criticism, a lot less judgment and having more openness and, and curiosity and wanting to understand better, not critique or judge or shame or, you know, all of that, like other stuff. Um, and I think just 
be a little bit more gentle and kind to yourself, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think with the perfectionism, we tend to be highly, highly critical of ourselves. And so it's really important to try to have more kindness, try to have more compassion, try to have more grace, right? Like I always say, like, if you were to go to your best friend and tell her about the situation, how would she react? What Mm -hmm. kind of words would she say? How would she respond? What kind of tone would she be using? You know, she wouldn't call you an idiot and and shame you for making a mistake or having a setback, right? She would probably want to listen to you and and, you know, normalize some of what you're feeling and then encourage you. And, you know, so it's, it's so interesting because I think like that inner critic is such a big part for so many of us, not just women. I think it happens a lot in men as well, but um, yeah, those are two places that I think. Yeah. I think that's great. Getting curious is such a big piece of any, any healing, right? Instead of instantly just being critical of why am I like this? Why do I keep doing this? And what's really getting yeah, yes. what's wrong with me? And just getting curious in a gentle way of like, hmm, I notice that I keep doing this. I notice that this doesn't feel good. Why? Why do I continue to do this? You know, what might be at the root of this? I think that's incredibly helpful stuff. And of course, self-compassion is like one of my favorite tools, but also something I tell people, you got to practice it every day and you will have to for the rest of your life. And you'll probably never get really great at it. And that's okay. <laughs> like, But can- yeah, the compassionate piece is, is so helpful. And there's a ton of research that suggests how yeah. good it is for our well-being and yeah. for our motivation, by the way. Yeah. Oh, for sure, right? When you're like talking to yourself horribly and telling yourself, this is just how I am. I'm never going to be any different. It's like, and here's why you don't have any motivation, right? To make any changes or to do the things. But so I'm curious because I know people are probably wondering, is this something that you can actually overcome? Like, can you actually say, okay, I no longer have high functioning anxiety and perfectionism? Yes, it's definitely something that you can overcome for sure. I think if you commit to doing the work and prioritize yourself and your mental health, and um, then absolutely it is. Yeah, I love that. I love that. My husband, my husband will tell you, yes, it is because my hus- my my wife went in the complete opposite direction, and now she doesn't plan anything. She doesn't prepare. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> He's like, I want to kill you. (laughs) Like, it's great. This is great now. But yeah, that balance, right? I think I need to find a balance. (laughs) Yeah. So Nadia, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. It's been really great chatting with you. And we've talked about some really helpful stuff. So if somebody is like, I am definitely high functioning. I've got this stuff going on. Where can they find and connect with you? So you can find me at my, well, you can go to my Instagram. It's at holistic anxiety therapist. Um, And you can, you know, if you want to book a call to, you know, start engaging in therapy or get the support that you need, you know, there's an option to do that. I also offer, like, if you come to my account and you're like, where do I start? There's um, a free guide that I've created too from chaos to calm. And I like to give like foundational skills and strategies to help you, you know, start to take the steps forward. Um, 
and I can share my website as well. It's just NadiaFiorita.com. So awesome. all of the things there on my website. That's great. I will definitely link to all of that in the show notes. If you're interested, you can head over and check out Nadia's page and her website. Um, but again, thank you so much, Nadia. This has been a wonderful conversation. It's been awesome. Thank you so much again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.